Fantastic. I'm Pastor Ryan Heller. So thrilled to spend Easter weekend with you for a few moments. Today, I want to talk to you about the greatest event in all of history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that the resurrection of Christ can and will make a huge difference in your life today if you'll allow God to work in your own spirit and in your own heart today. And, and very briefly, I want to share with you some of my favorite scriptures about the resurrection. And you know, resurrection is, is a theme that's throughout the Bible. It's not just in the Gospels, but in the Old and the New Testaments, nine or ten times, the scripture records that people were raised. People other than Jesus were raised. And I want to share with you some of the scriptures. The first one that I share with you is going to feel like you're watching the sci-fi channel, but I promise you there's something that God has to say to us in and through it, as odd as it may sound. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20, and it says, <clears throat> speaking of the ninth century prophet Elisha, then Elisha died and he was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to come into the land in the spring of the year, and once as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a raiding party. So they threw the man into Elisha's tomb, and when he touched Elisha's bones, the man revived and he stood up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Elisha, this great prophet, a great teacher, a great man of God, years and years and years after he dies, He's in a tomb, and they throw a man's body in there, and it bumps up against the bones of Elisha. Boom! He's resurrected. In the ancient world, they didn't have coffins. They didn't have private, individualized graves. Many times they would have a cave, and there would be many bodies in there. And You know, lucky for that guy, right? How's that for a resurrection experience? Can you just imagine what it would have been like to wake up in that tomb, to jump up, and then to go home with the people that actually threw you into the tomb? Can you imagine? I, I don't know if the guys that threw his body in the tomb were running faster from the raiders or if they were running faster from the resurrected buddy, but, but all nonetheless, <clears throat> what a miraculous thing. I want to share with you another scripture. It's from Matthew 27. It's about resurrections, Matthew 27, 50, but Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from bottom, from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and they came out of the tombs after his resurrection and entered into the holy city and appeared to many. This sounds like a zombie apocalypse, but did you get that? When Jesus was raised, there were a lot of other people that were raised too. It wasn't just Jesus. I wonder what it would have been like to be sitting on your front porch and somebody that you went to high school with is running down the street and you're like, I went to that guy's funeral 10 years ago. What is he doing out here? But the Bible says there were many that were resurrected. 
And when you read it, 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 the scripture tells us it was real, it was physical, it was public. <clears throat> and yes, the resurrection of Jesus is spectacular, and that's the greatest resurrection, but I want to just draw attention for a moment to the other resurrections. Because in the scripture, they are types and shadows of the great resurrection to come. Can you just imagine what it would have been like for somebody to say, okay, now you were dead, right? Yeah, man, I was in the tomb, I was dead. And then you got up out of the tomb, right? There was an earthquake and you like jumped out of the tomb and you moved back into your old house and you went back to your old boss and took over your old job. Yeah, that's right. And it was the same day that Jesus resurrected from the grave. I think the reason that other people were raised on the day that Jesus was raised is to give further credence and further testimony to the significance of the great resurrection. It's kind of like the warm-up band. All the other saints that were raised, that's the warm-up act. But really, everybody came to see the headlining band, and that's Jesus. <clears throat> but all the other bands were playing to just bring further attention to the great resurrection. I believe the resurrection of Christ can make a great difference in your life. And I want to share with you three things today, three power thoughts. I want you to write them down. I want you to grab a pencil, a pen, an eyeliner, a crayon, whatever you've got there in your home. And I want you to write down these three things. And I'm going to give you the whole outline, and then I'm going to come back and hit it, each one. I am dead. I am touched. I am raised. I am dead, I am touched, I am raised. We see each of these outlined for us here in 2 Kings 13. And if you go back to verse 20, once as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a raiding party, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. Now this guy was dead. I mean, there, were no, there was no breath in his lungs, there was rigor mortis in his body, he was lifeless, there was no heartbeat, he was... He was, he was completely gone. And don't you know, he had a lucky day. I mean, he bumped into the femur or the metatarsal or the vertebrae of the prophet Elisha. Elisha had been dead a long time because it didn't say he touched his body. It said he touched his bones. Man, Elisha was a great man of God. He performed a ton of miracles. He was a great teacher. He was a great prophet. He was a great leader. He was a great man of God. And I believe that many times the impact of your life is felt after you die many times than it is before. It was certainly the case in Elisha's context. Elisha is such a great man of God that people are resurrecting when they touch his bones afterwards. But this points us to the great resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. And you know what? The scriptures tell us that all of us are dead. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2, the apostle Paul said it like this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world. <clears throat> the way that most people live is a dead life. When I say dead, I mean spiritually lifeless. And before a person meets Christ, we have a dead life spiritually. We don't have a spiritual pulse so to speak and he uses the word dead and you know dead is a powerful word Paul didn't say that 
you used to live a life that was handicapped or disabled or diseased. I mean, he uses the word dead because there is nothing that you and I can do in and of ourselves to resurrect our own lives. We need God. We are dead. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God takes dead people and he raises them to new life. That's the whole message of Easter. That's the whole message. God takes what, what is passed away, what is worthless, what is, what is no good anymore, and he, and he resurrects it. That's the picture, man, we see here in 2 Kings 13. It's, it's what we see surrounding the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew 27. And, and there's something that's called grace. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. If you read on in Ephesians chapter 2, you get to verses 8 and 9 that say, For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It was the grace of God that redeemed us. It was the grace of God that resurrected us not our own efforts and not our own good deeds. We, we were dead, man. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And by faith, we could be transformed and made new. Um, a little later, in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, uh, the Apostle Paul said it like this. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. What it means to live a resurrected life is that sin no longer controls our decisions. Whenever we begin to feel tempted and we, we begin to kind of stray off the path of the things that we know God wants us to accomplish and to be about, we don't have to live under the control of sin any longer because we have been raised. We have been resurrected. The breath and the life of God is now flowing through our veins and we don't have to sin. When we're dead in our sins, we, we are... We're, merely under the control of whatever impulses and desires come our way. But we have a supernatural power to say no to sin and to say yes to God. And that's what it means to be spiritually alive. It's not sinless perfection, but it is a new direction. When you join God's spiritual family, when the breath of God begins to take over your lungs, when your life is resurrected by faith, doesn't mean that you don't make some mistakes. It doesn't mean that you don't go back for a time or a season to some old habits or some old ways of living. But it means that you do have a new direction for your life. God doesn't want you to live a dead life. And too many people are trying to live a resurrected life and a dead life. At the same time, we have one foot in the grave and one foot out of the grave. And we keep trying to give CPR to dead things that need to die and pass away in our own lives. Man, there's some relationships that need to die. There's some, there's some ambitions in us that need to die. There's some motivations. There's some mindsets. There's some habits that need to die. And we need to let them die in our life as our life is resurrected with Christ. Well, how can we be resurrected? we got to be touched. You notice if you go back to 2 Kings, 2 Kings says that they threw the man's body. One, two, three. They throw the man's body in the tomb and it bumps up against the bones of Elisha. And there was contact. There was touch. 
It wasn't until the touch took place that the man's life was transformed. And you can't live a resurrected life until you have been touched by the power of God in your own life. It doesn't work like that. We've got to be touched, man. The power of touch. You know, doctors tell us, physically speaking, that touch is a powerful thing. They did some research not too long ago amongst NBA teams, and they discovered that NBA basketball teams that touch, in fact, the more that they touch, the more victorious the team is. When they chest bump, when they high five, that's not just a bunch of hype. That actually gets into the mindset of the team. So I coach the sixth grade basketball team and I'm, I'm encouraging more chest bumps so that our team can win. Physical touch, there's something about it. When you go to a massage therapist and they begin to work you over, touch. It lowers the stress hormone of cortisol in your body. The power of touch. Physically speaking, we need to touch. But I got something so much more important. Did you know? Did you know spiritually we need a touch? We need a touch from God. That's what Easter's about. It's about the touch of Jesus. And everywhere Jesus went, he was always touching people. In Matthew chapter 9, he touches the eyes of two blind men. And he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. In other words, if you guys believe that I can heal your blindness, you'll be healed. Jesus touched a woman who was oppressed by a demonic spirit. She couldn't even hardly stand up in Luke chapter 13. Jesus touched her. And she was healed. She was delivered. The touch of Jesus. And I'll tell you what I love about the touch of Jesus is that Jesus was always touching people that nobody else wanted to touch. In Mark chapter 1, a leper comes to Jesus and Jesus heals him. In the ancient world, leprosy was absolutely the worst, the worst physical ailment you could have. Big sores all over your skin, tumors everywhere. They say that advanced forms of leprosy cause your extremities to fall off, fingers and toes and noses, and it consumes your body. It's a nasty thing. Nasty, nasty. And, and it was said of people that had leprosy in the first century that they were the walking dead you were a ticking time bomb you were going to die imminently it was just when you had to leave your family you you had to go live in a little leper village outside of the city limits left to only survive by begging you had to cry out unclean when you walked down the street so that everybody would avoid you like the plague it was a disease of shame. It was a disease of hardship. You couldn't worship. You couldn't go home. You were banished and you were waiting to die. And it was this man that came to Jesus in Mark chapter 1. And he said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. And you know what the Bible says? Jesus touched him. The leper? I mean, that's cool. Yeah, Jesus touched the blind guy. Jesus touched the leper. And when he touched the leper, the leper was made whole. No longer did he cry out unclean. He began to cry out clean because he had been touched. Jesus touches people that nobody else wants to touch. 
You may feel like you're at a dead end, on a dead end road. You don't have the answers. You don't have, you don't have the strength. You don't have the support. You don't have the love. You don't have the, the people around you lifting you up and encouraging you. I want you to know Jesus Christ is for you. Jesus is wanting to touch your heart. There's no plague that is beyond the power of Jesus. Nothing you could do or say would make him refuse to touch you. Don't do it. Don't fall into that thinking. Jesus touched the untouchable. How does Jesus touch? Well, sometimes Jesus touched with his physical body. Sometimes Jesus touched people by the words that he said. He said things like, to the fearful, fear not, I am with you. To the broken, I am close to the brokenhearted. To the abandoned, I will never leave you or forsake you. To the tired, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To the anxious, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the words of Jesus still bring so much comfort to us today, don't they? The touch of Jesus. How can you experience the touch of Jesus? Sometimes it's by reading the Bible. You read a verse of Scripture and you're just like, man, I feel touched. You hear the words of Jesus. You hear the words of a sermon. Just like you're doing today, watching this online. And I hope that when our church is able to gather again for corporate worship, that if you live in the Denver metro area, that you will join us and you will come and experience the touch of Jesus here at our campus in Centennial, Colorado. Because I know God has a touch for you. But his touch can come through prayer, through words of encouragement, through a Christian friend, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the touch of Jesus. But we all need to be touched. And in fact, more often, we need to, we need to be touched regularly by the power of God. The touch of Jesus, man. This man in 2 Kings 13 was dead. And then he was touched. And then after he was touched, he was raised. That's what God wants for your life. God wants you to live a resurrected life, a raised life. A life that has said no to the pathway of the world and to sin and saying yes to God. How can we do it? We, we, we got to be raised through faith. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.10, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Did you know that the, the resurrection power of Jesus wants to flow in your veins, man? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you if you're, if you're a person who has faith in Christ one of the most powerful verses of the Bible. But the Apostle Paul said, man, I want to know Christ. That word know means deep knowledge. I want to really know. Like, I want to intimately know. Kind of like a husband knows a wife or a wife knows her husband. It's the same word that's used. I want to really know the power of the resurrection. I want to know it, man. I want to live a raised life, is what he's saying. I don't want to live a dead life. I don't want to live a depressed life. 
I don't want to live a self-centered life. I want my life to be raised with Christ. I want my life to have purpose. I want it to have power. I want it to have conviction. And I need God. And I need His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I, I used to, as a kid, I grew up going to church, which I'm very grateful for. And I remember as a kid, 8, 9, 10 years old, my parents were always talking to me about my salvation, and I'm really, really blessed to have had that upbringing. But I remember thinking as a young kid, because I just didn't understand all the way, that being a follower of Jesus was just about going to heaven when you die. And that's a huge part of it, absolutely. Eternity is a long time. We need to think about eternity. We need to think about where we're going to spend the rest of our spiritual life. But I think what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, he's talking about today. And the good news of the gospel is that God can change your heart and life today, not just when you die. You see, you don't have to wait around till. You're 70, 80, 90, 100, 110 years old. For your salvation to kick in, the power of the resurrection is something that impacts the way you think tonight and tomorrow and next week. Begins to bring joy into your life. It begins to give you a new perspective. It gives you victory over your struggles. It gives you power and strength to face adversity. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. That's what he was talking about, that resurrection power. Now, how does the resurrection power of Jesus operate within us? Because if you've been raised with Christ, you don't want to live like you're still dead. I mean, here's the problem with a lot of people. And this is true with Christian people. Christian people say, I've been raised with Christ, but we want to put that one foot in the grave. And we want to have one foot in the world and one foot in the spirit. And we wonder, why are we so frustrated? Why are things not going better for me? Man, when you're raised with Christ, you run from the grave. <clears throat> you don't want to go back to the grave. Listen, we need to let some old relationships die. We need to let some old mindsets pass away. Quit giving CPR to the old you. We need to let some things die within us. And you know, if you walk with God for an extended period of time in your life, you'll look back over past struggles that you've had, and you'll, you'll think about the fact that, wow, was that even me? That doesn't even feel like me. Because my life is so different today, I kind of can't even believe I used to struggle with that. I've been raised with Christ. I have the power of the resurrection in me, and I don't even know the old person. Because I don't think like that anymore. I've been transformed. Amen? I've been made new, the scriptures tell us. Well, how does the resurrection power <clears throat> operate in our life? I want to give you these three things very quickly. Total dependence on the Lord. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Does God work more through people who have it all together, or does God work more through people who are broken and in need? 
Paul says, in our weaknesses, we're made strong. How can I be strong when I'm weak? Because you have the power of the resurrected Christ in you. So see, actually, when you feel weak, that is the environment for God to do his greatest work in you. If you're feeling vulnerable and alone and scared, man, it's a great, it's a great environment. It's a great time for you to rely on the power of God in your life. And this is what 2 Corinthians says to us right here. Don't, I want to boast about my weakness, man, because, because in and through my weakness, the power of Christ can work more thoroughly. God wants to do some things in your life through your weakness. Your total dependence on the Lord. If you're vulnerable, you're in the perfect place for a miracle. Here's the second thing. What does a resurrected life look like? Fervent love for others. 1 John chapter 3, 14, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. So one of the marks of having the resurrected power of Christ in our life is the ability and the desire to love people. You, you can love people that are difficult. Like the people that everybody else runs from, you can love those people. People who are difficult, people that kind of get under your skin, you, you love people. You love because God first loved you. And he says, this is one of the marks of the resurrected life is that you love, you love others. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. In other words, I don't want to live a dead life. A dead life is a life of hate. A dead life is a life of intolerance. A dead life is a life of it's got to be my way or it doesn't work. <clears throat> All that passes away when the resurrected power of Christ begins to work in us, man. We begin to cooperate with people. We begin to love people. We begin to serve people. We begin to treat people differently. It's, it's different. And then thirdly, consistent power over my past. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. <laughs> well, I love that. Consistent power over my past. Don't live with one foot in the grave and one foot out. You're a new creation in Christ. God has made you new. Don't live like something that has been that has been old and dilapidated and passed away. Live like you are new in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. We need to let some old things go so that we can embrace the new things that God has purposed for us to have. So what is Easter all about? Easter is about, I died. I died in my sins. I was touched by Jesus. I was raised. I was dead. I was touched. I was raised. And in 2 Kings, once as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly... They saw a raiding party, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. And when he touched Elisha's bones, the man revived and stood up. Would you pray with me for just a moment?